0: Hey
1: there. Let me share something with you that today's guest has shared with me. And that is that for most of her life, she had no idea how to be a woman. Now, when you meet her, you might scratch your head and think, what? She's all of that and more. Well, let me tell you a little bit about our guest today. And I'm Sarah, your host of the No Labels, No Limits podcast. And I'm super happy to have you back this week For a podcast all about shedding limiting labels and beliefs so that we can live true to who we were created to be. So our guest this week is Rima Bonario and Dr. Rima Bonario is a dream weaver, soul coach and wild heart healer who draws from a culmination of 30 years of her own evolution to help women experience personal wholeness relationship harmony, and material abundance in their lives. Let's pause and just take in all of that wealth of information and experience that we're, we get to draw on today. Rima specializes in the arena of personal sovereignty and the challenge many women face in maintaining a healthy balance between caring for others and caring for themselves. I'm super interested in that because I know my teeter-totter has gotten out of whack on that. And Rima's doctoral work in transformational psychology informs her coaching workshops, online courses, and her guided tours to historically sacred places, as well as supports the women she works with to shed their fears, embody their feminine power, and manifest their deepest dreams. So our podcast probably should be a couple hours long to cover everything we could talk about with Rima. Um, But we'll move on from there and just dive in. So let me formally welcome Rima to the podcast today. Welcome, Rima.
2: Thank you so much. I'm so delighted to be here. Well, I want to ask
1: you a starting question, and then we'll come back and talk about all the other types of things that you can talk about. But what led you into your work in the realm of sacred feminine sovereignty? Can you just define what it is and then how you got from A to B?
2: Sure, sure. So when we think about sovereignty, we really think about people who are free from outside influence and able to make their own decisions and um, be in charge of their own lives, if you will. And it's thought of as a state of self-governance, right? Where we're, we're the one governing ourselves. And why is it all about sacred feminine sovereignty, right? So that is... Uh, More about understanding sovereignty from the perspective of there's something sacred about each human on the planet. And there's something specifically sacred about the way the feminine expresses, feminine archetypal energy expresses through us, particularly as women, and particularly at this time on the planet, where there's so much Happening that we really need a bigger dose of the feminine perspective and more than just our perspective, really, the archetypal energy of the feminine. And it happens through us. It happens when we decide as women that we're going to step into our own sovereignty. And that's what makes it available here on the planet.
1: I want to go back to the quote that I led off with, where you talked about not knowing really what it meant to be a woman or having no idea how that was, what does that mean? And how did you, how did you learn that?
2: Yeah, so I grew up in a family where there was a primary focus on my father. He was the the center of the family. And my mom didn't have a very empowered role. And so I learned at an early age, if I was going to be where all the action was, I was going to be hanging out with my dad. And that led me to grow up very much like a tomboy. And so I had an energy signature that was very masculine. In other words, I was always running around doing things and go up to stuff and I didn't understand what it meant to have feminine energy because there wasn't strong feminine presence in my house. And when I looked out into the world, I didn't have models. There weren't models of feminine power that were being displayed. What I was seeing were was the front edge, leading edge, especially early on in first wave feminism of women wanting to step more into their power But in order to do that, they were mimicking masculine power patterns. And so that's what I learned to do. I learned to be a go getter and tough, tough, tough and make it happen, very driven. And it didn't matter how much I tried to make myself look typically feminine on the outside, somebody else's idea of feminine. But my inner energy just continued to read masculine. And that caused me all kinds of problems in life. It caused trouble in my early marriage and it showed up again in my second marriage. And that was when I said, okay, I'm going to need to look at this and make some adjustments.
1: So how did you start making those adjustments? First of all, I want to acknowledge, I totally understand what you're saying and can relate to it because that whole piece of how do you get attention typically is from that go-getter perspective, right? Even now, not even now, all these years later, these decades later, it's still predominant, right?
2: Right. Our culture... productivity and push and, you know, crushing it and all of that sort of language we have around how you're supposed to show up as an entrepreneur, as an employee, even in your personal life, you know, it's a, everything is a competition and a challenge and it's all about victory and vanquishing your foes. That's a, a, a really potent masculine form of energy. And we need our warrior spirit. I mean, of course we, we want to have that. As part of who we are, I've just learned that for, for myself and for most women that live inside of a female body, running the energy of challenge through our system day in, day out, hour after hour just leads to complete burnout. And we have to be able to do something different, not just for our physical health, but for the health of our, ourselves as a family, as a human family, and our planet. Because that type of energy is getting to the end of its usefulness as a as an extreme, and it really needs to come into more balance. And so for me, part of it was learning that I had a whole repertoire of superpowers that lived inside my body that are aspects of my power that I was just unfamiliar with. I didn't understand how stillness could be powerful and how the opportunity to be in flow and to align and to be magnetic in how I worked so that I drew things to me rather than ran around chasing things. And that was a big change in the way that I began to do my work in the world. And I studied with some very amazing teachers. I learned powerful energy practices and visualizations to help me tap into these forms of energy and then i began to change how i organized my day-to-day life so that i was focusing on getting more of my feminine essence to appear in my behaviors
1: so let's talk about the different aspects of the sacred feminine a little more specifically because you just in that when you were talking i know you you named a couple of them probably not all of them so what are What are they? And then what are the unique challenges that you find we as women face when we're trying to grow relationship with those parts of ourselves?
2: Mm -hmm. One of the big ones is the energy of surrender the feminine knows how to surrender and we think of surrender sometimes through that masculine lens of meaning defeat you know if you surrender you're you're surrendering to something outside of yourself but this is a different form of surrender it's actually the energetic experience of allowing yourself to be completely at rest And to put down the fight, to let go of the challenge, to drop the challenge out of your system and to be in this really juicy place that appears of that sensual space of just allowing what is coming to come to you. And it doesn't mean that we don't have discernment. We need to be in a safe place environment to surrender to be really deeply surrendered. Um, and, and it's particularly meaningful for women who want to be in their sexual sovereignty. We have sometimes a lot of challenges. That was the, actually one of the big drivers for me to get into this work was that my husband and I had a great partnership. We were great co-parents. We built a lot of beautiful things together, but we kept bumping up against these unknown challenges in our intimate life and part of that was because i kept bringing my challenge masculine energy into the bed with me and that didn't work out so well and so so i needed to learn how to access the softer side of me the more receptive energy the magnetic energy Um, and then i also have access now to the more active chaotic wild feminine that is so creative and so enlivening you know that sense of being really alive inside of my own skin sometimes when people think of the the passive feminine traits of the stillness and the receptivity and surrender it means that somehow there's like a drop in energy and it isn't that way at all for me i mean there's a kind of energy inside of that stillness that's so potent but there's this other kind of energy as well that's very active and dynamic it's just that it's comes from more of a creative essence i like to think of that part of me as the dancer part of me whereas this surrendered one is like this sort of nourishing nurturing side of me and then i have two masculine energies that i like to play with an active and a ma- and a passive masculine energy that i play with but i've learned that my life works better when my masculine energy is following the feminine energy's lead.
1: How do you know when that's happening? Like, do you, when you're, let's say you're, it's not working, right? What signals to you that, okay, I'm out of whack. I'm got something kind of misaligned here.
2: Well, and now it's very easy for me to notice it. I feel grumpy I I will use the word crunchy. I feel crunchy. I have, uh, and it's so much easier for me to feel annoyed. I will feel tired. Definitely, it drains me now. I've learned how working and leading from my feminine it energizes me and I get to the end of the day and I have enough energy to cook myself a nutritious meal and have a beautiful connection with my loved ones. Rather than feeling so wiped out, I just want to pour a glass of wine and hit the Netflix, you know? So it's, this is part of why we work best when we fill ourselves first, and then we give from a place of abundance and And so I can tell when I'm starting to feel like there's not enough of stuff going, there's not enough time, there's not enough money, there's not enough love, there's like an all the little stories start about how if so and so would just do this or do that, and then things would be better. That's a clear dead giveaway for me when that I'm oops, I've, I've, I've fallen. I'm crunchy. crunchy, That's right. My daughter will sometimes say salty, mama, you're salty today. (laughs)
1: I know I have words like that for me too. Like on hello, who showed up here today? You're, you're a little bit on the, I call it cranky pated. I pulled that from, a, but it's like, you just know things are not where they should be. Yeah, right? My best self just is not showing up at the moment. Um, usually because of what you said, too much push and not enough allow. Mm-hmm. Um, but even getting that bit of kind of groundedness is it's not like a, click your fingers and all of a sudden you're crystal clear on it so that's why i'm so curious about the process and how you evolved into that
2: well it becomes a daily practice because the thing is we can't wait Till we need it and think we're going to have the creative capacity to suddenly pull out of our pocket the exact thing that's going to make it happen for us. If we haven't developed a practice to where we know how to use these tools and we use them in good times and bad and on neutral days, then we're not going to be as likely to be successful in shifting our energy when we really need it. Ideally, what you're doing is you're creating a kind of an energetic and spiritual and emotional muscle memory, you know, so that you, you have, for me, anyway, I have a daily practice now of things I do to nourish and nurture myself. And not only does it set me up for the day so that I have a whole lot less of a chance of ending up in those less fulfilling states. But I also have Uh, something I know I can completely rely on in those moments when I really need it. And I can say, okay, I'm just going to press the pause button and go do one of my practices that will support me. That could be anointing myself with these beautiful Egyptian oils that I use every day. It could be, I even bathe, I I take baths and I put them in the bath. It could be taking a walk and connecting with nature. It could be sitting in prayer or devotion. Uh, It could be moving my body in dance any of these things we can do to help us shift our energy. And primarily for women, what we really need to do is we need to come into our bodies. Most of us have spent most of our lives not really inhabiting our bodies, not living in our bodies for often very good reasons, but that's that's the way that we get disconnected from the cues that tell us it's time to stop. We've done too much.
1: Well, And I'm just thinking about like being in the middle of a day where you're driven, right? I've got these things I've got to do. And there's this thing saying, I am tapped out. I need to do something restorative and nurturing Mm -hmm. for myself, right? And sometimes those days are the hardest days for me to say, put it down, walk away. You can come back in 45 minutes, right? Go do whatever. Like I've got a little short list. Usually that's on that list. The thing about taking a bath in the middle of the day, I I don't know, but I, I love it. Um, but well, I, I do
2: my I usually do my bathing first thing in the morning. But I do, too. I, I have been known to say, you know, Calgon, take me away. You know, just no. I have to like press the pause button and go do something really significant to shift the energy here. And, you know, we need to give ourselves permission to do that because we're not doing anybody any favors when we push through. I mean, I've learned that the work that I produce when I am well resourced is infinitely better in quality and it takes half the time to get it done and it's so much more fun and because work is a significant part of life if we cannot enjoy our work and have fun when we're working we're spending a lot of time not having fun and in drudgery and that is definitely not the way of the queen
1: so let's talk about the seven queendoms because first i love the name of your book and I'm just going to repeat it. It's The Seven Queendoms, A Soul Map for Embodying Sacred Feminine Sovereignty. So when did you decide to write it? And then will you talk us through like the book a bit and what you're hoping we as readers take from it?
2: I was teaching on this topic, I started back in 2017, 2018, and I was really at that time focused on this idea of sovereignty what was it going to take for us to really step into our sovereignty and as i was looking at that for myself and for others i i came across basically broke it out into these seven different areas that i wanted to feel more sovereign i wanted to have more physical sovereignty more sexual sovereignty more sovereignty over my energy body and how i i run my energy that was a whole new world for me. And I really wanted to become masterful there. I wanted sovereignty and over my emotions and my emotional life. So I wasn't always, you know, I came out of an Italian family. So I was a hot headed Italian and, whew, you know, you know, <laughs> might know what might happen, And so I needed more sovereignty there. Um, I wanted sovereignty over how I expressed myself in the world and my work world and my passions and what I was showing up to do on the planet. I wanted sovereignty in my mental life over my thoughts and the way that I saw the world and the things that I believed in my belief systems. And finally, I wanted some sense of spiritual sovereignty that I could connect deeply into the core of my being and touch that aspect of me that is connected to the divine. And so I didn't have to rely on things outside of me. I could very, it's fine to use different kinds of spiritual structures and even what our faith traditions, whatever we might've been born into and our religious beliefs, but there's something deeper that we can all connect with that's inside and so that's how this sort of idea of the seven different queendoms arrived. And I was teaching this work with my students online. And and after moving here to Las Vegas, I left my community in the Kansas City area. So I moved everything online. And it just so happened that that was the perfect thing because the pandemic hit. And everybody was doing their learning online. And so that's how things really started to get fun and, and, and juicy. And um, because we were in the pandemic, I thought, well, there's probably never going to be a better time to write a book. And now that I'm not running around going places. So I wrote the book and it came out in March of 2021. And it's served as a really beautiful foundation now for all the things that I do with my, with my students.
1: What feedback have you received from folks who've read it, students or not? Like, ha- is there a primary where people are just going, okay, this section spoke to me so much.
2: That's such a great question. You know, I, when I first conceived the book, I thought, well, I'm just going to give the seven queendoms. It's just going to be a how to thing and, and it'll be, you know, filled with this information. And as I was writing it, I realized that I, I was going to have to tell my personal story and I was going to have to like talk about each of these queens and the way they showed up for me and, and really why I'm on this journey to begin with. So the whole front section of the book, really, the first, it's got four sections. The first section is, is all about the experience I had growing up that we've been chatting about here. And And it's been interesting to hear from people that they relate to these these same experiences of the the sort of very strong, fathery kind of archetypal energy, whether it was in their house or outside of their house, and and this need to find our footing, you know, as women and find our power. So that's been kind of cool. Um, But then once you get into the actual queens themselves, that part of the book is really powerful because it's got exercises and questions questions and different kinds of practices you can do. And what I hear from people is that they've found those to be really life-changing and and that they they keep the book out because stuff will happen and they think, wow, I've read something about this in that book and there's a practice in there I can use and they'll go grab it and look it up and it becomes a really potent resource so that it's not something you just read and then forget about. It's actually something that becomes a lived experience. It's
1: a companion.
2: Yeah, it's a it companion. is a guidebook. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So... Um- We were chatting a little bit before we hit record, and you shared something which, totally from my perspective, goes right into this you know, celebrating self, the feminine, all of that. But you did something pretty cool and unique this past weekend, and I'm wondering if you would share that with our audience.
2: Sure, yes. So, I had my 55th birthday on Friday. And I had decided several weeks before that I wanted to have a birthday party, that I was going to throw myself a birthday party. And as I said, we've been here in the Las Vegas area for just over four years. And two of those years, we were in the pandemic. And the first year, I was really just finding my footing. So had not had much of a chance to build community here. And it's been one of the areas of my life that, that I'm working on, where I'm really desiring more in-person community here locally. So I had the thought, well, I'm just going to invite all these people that I've met once or twice and run across and thought, wow, this, this is a cool person. I'd like to get to know them more, but haven't really had the time to do that, to come out for the party. And it, it was so fun because we filled the house with all these wonderful people. And I was so blessed to get the feedback from everybody. Wow, you have some amazing friends. And I said, yes, I'm they're all amazing people. I'm looking forward to getting to know them more, and uh, and so when we did the cake, I had the opportunity to just give them all a, a moment of thanks for for saying yes to the invitation to come out and for being with me in taking this time to celebrate myself because it has been years in the making to get to the point of feeling comfortable with the idea of I get to celebrate me and I can do that in big fashion, you know, and having this wonderful party. And I don't have to wait for somebody else to come along and do that for me. I don't have to ask my husband, will you make a party for me? Or what are you going to do to make my birthday special? I get to feel completely empowered to create whatever it is that I want for myself and then enroll him and whoever else might be wanting to do that and joining me in the celebration. And it's it's such a powerful place to live from when we feel this sense of, of agency that we can create and manifest the things that we desire in life.
1: I think about you doing that. I mean, it just lights me up to think about that. I'm going, okay, man, that's a gutsy gal Um, because it's fun and it's fun to go to those kind of parties where people are just having fun and they're curious and they invite interesting people um, with no attachment necessarily to how people have to be or show up. But I also think about what that demonstrates to the people who were there about what's possible for them. You know, and I think about when we live true to us, if we all celebrated ourselves with less worry about what other people think of us, we'd have a lot more fun.
2: Yeah, I completely agree and I, I every day we have the opportunity to inspire people and to be an example or a model of what's possible if we choose that. And that's really I think how we lift up humanity and lift all of us up. There's there's so much happening in the world right now. This movement that is really, it sort of comes in ebbs and flows, it feels like. A couple of years ago, there was a really, you know, a lot of activated women and then It seemed like it wasn't as activated for a while. And now what we're seeing happening in Iran with all the women saying enough is enough and wanting to have more sovereignty over themselves. We're seeing mothers in Russia rebelling against having their children conscripted into military service for a war they don't believe in. And I have to tell you that I believe in the core of my being that the work that all of us do sitting in circles like the ones I run and listening to shows like yours, that we all do this work to get more in tune with our deepest nature, that we create the space for other people to do the same, even on the other side of the planet. You know, quantum physics is telling us that reality is nothing but overlapping energy fields. And so when we change ourselves, the whole enchilada changes too. And it's really remarkable to see what's happening.
1: That's true. And I just Just think about that story about, you know, the ant trying to cross the string and how far it is. And yet, if you bring the ends of the string together, right, it's all it's always right there. Right. But me, I make the string really difficult. (laughs) It's like, just bring it together. So um, but I celebrate you celebrating your birthday. And I did want to ask you, do you think the shift that you're seeing with women around the world is transitory or permanent? Because as you said, the ebbing and flowing, I'm just curious what your sense is about it from your continuing continuing to review it.
2: In my research, one of the things that has been very helpful to me is looking at cycles of deep time. And so this is a little bit of an esoteric topic, but we know that we have a solar year, right? We track that one 365-day rotation that it takes the Earth to go all the way around the sun. But our sun is a star that's moving, and that star is moving in its own spiral. And, And as it's spiraling... It's also going around the center of our galaxy, and it takes billions of years to go all the way around the galaxy, but it takes about 24,000 years to do one spiral as as we're moving around the galaxy center. And we call this the precession of the equinoxes, because as, as the... Earth changes position in the sun in the solar system. Our planet tilts from one side to the other, and it takes about twenty-four to twenty-six thousand years for this rotation to happen. So this is sort of geeky sciencey stuff. You can look it up. It's taught in your seventh-grade science textbook. All of this is there. The esoteric part is that a lot of the masters and sages that have passed on oral traditions for thousands of years say that. The position that we have in relationship to the center of the galaxy causes different outcomes on planet Earth. So the closer we are to the center of the galaxy, the more, the more access we have to higher levels of consciousness. And during the period when we're a little bit farther from the center of the galaxy, we go into this sort of forgetting time where we forget our essence, we forget our magnificence, we forget who we are as a people. And we go into these sort of darker ages. And it just so happens we are in the path of coming out of some of this time of deep forgetting. And we're moving into a time where the energy of the feminine, which is sorely needed, is what is the call of the day. It is what is needed. And so while we may have fits and starts along that path as we're moving closer into this time of more wakefulness, we will eventually do what's needed to create more consciousness on the planet and really for me that's about bringing us into a greater sense of balance so that we have all of our masculine energy to get out there and do a lot of amazing incredible things but we also have access to our feminine energy that lets us be that that we can understand the value of being and we move from the center out we move from being first so all that doing energy is guided by something more focused and more functional than what we've been doing right now. So I think it is it's a it's a it's a permanent change in that longer cyclical okay. cycle. So you know permanent as far as our lifetime goes. We might not even see the fullness of it come online before we move on to whatever's next because we're just at the beginning of these there's sort of like 2000 year pockets of time that are themed out. So And if I can pull out from
1: what you said, though, it's the feminine energy, not just females, because if we don't embrace our feminine energy, we're just replicating more of what we've learned.
2: True. And it's not. So there's gender. That's that's whether you decide if you are you know, what we call a man or a woman. Um, And then there's sex, right? Like your, your actual sex, your physical sex, which, you know, we know that gender is sort of made up. There's a lot of fluidity there. There's actually some cultures that had as many as five genders, including very masculine men or slightly more feminine men, people who feel very neutral about their gender, more masculine women and more feminine women. So they, they have that full spectrum. Um, And then What I'm talking about is archetypal energy of the feminine and the masculine. And every one of us has both masculine energy. That's this very sort of outward focused challenging, heroic energy. And the feminine energy, that's more of a draw inward. That's more of a receptive and magnetic kind of an energy. And how much we express each of those energies really depends on what what our tendencies are in our personality but also it depends on the conditioning that we've had growing up you know, where I grew up, I didn't see a lot of respect for feminine principles. So I, I just was like, okay, none of that for me. And if you grow up in a house that's more matriarchal, for example, you, you might have a sense of a really deep connection to your feminine power, and you might not have much access to your masculine power. So we want to have both of these skill sets online and available.
1: Thank you for that. Um, so I
2: asked and you
1: indicated that if folks want to take a quiz on your website that they're going to get something that will help them learn more about themselves, correct? Can That's you share right. that?
2: Yeah, so on the website, right on the front page of rimabonario.com, you can find the Queen's Quiz, and it'll ask you a series of questions, just noting what you're more attracted to and the different choices that are available, what seems more like you. And when you get to the end of the quiz, you can type in your email address, and we will send you an archetype kit for that particular queen that will let you dive in more deeply into exploring that particular queen. And it will just email it directly to you and and you can get a chance to play around with some of the energies of those queens. And I, I have all seven available on my website, or you can of course purchase the book, there's a fair amount of information in the book as well. And I say that while it's nice to kind of know what's your, what you're most attracted to in terms of the queens, it's very helpful to also go through and see which of those queens you dislike, which is the one that you disown, that you don't really want. No, I don't really like that one. Or that one, I don't have much of that in my life. She's the one you really want to start to develop a relationship with because Again, it's this idea of we need to have sovereignty in all of these domains and all of these queendoms. Thank you
1: so much. Um, Is that the best way for people to connect with you just to go to your website? Or are there other places that people typically reach out to you or follow you on?
2: You can find me on Facebook. I have a a business uh, website or I think what they call it is a business page that you can find me there. I'm on LinkedIn as well. I am on Instagram, not as much as these other two places, but do connect with me there. And I have also a way for you to email me off the website. And I'm the only Rima Bonario that I know of in the world. So I'm pretty easy to find. And I would absolutely love to hear from your listeners and viewers about what they are interested in and what what they would like to know more about the queens and how the queens show up in their world. I, I really love to do this work. And so any way you reach out to me is fine with me. Thank you so much, Rima. And
1: we will have your links in the show notes for folks. But take listeners, not you, but listeners, take the opportunity that Rima has offered, find out your archetypes. I love that you put in the one that you're less connected to might be the one to learn more and connect more with, because boy, that's true about the, our parts of us that we're less comfortable with. We should get to know them a little bit better. Um, and as I close out the podcast, I just want to encourage you, if you have listened to this and you know someone who would benefit from what Rima has shared today, please forward the podcast to them. Make sure if you haven't already done it, that you like the podcast and subscribe to it. That way you'll get noticed when we do more episodes. And in the meantime, I just want to say that we appreciate all of our listeners and we hope that you will go out, connect with your true selves and live a no labels, no limits life.